With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And did he admire her? From the way in which he had repudiated their relationship, apparently not. Loisalov noticed his gaze. I'm not the wild Shuang anymore, you see, he said, smiling and running his hand over his head. But I should not be surprised if, when you come and visit me in the spring, as I hope I may persuade you to do, I'm not condemned to wearing those long locks again. Why? You do not anticipate fighting again, surely? No, no, and if there were, I could hardly grow them to order in a day or two. But my grandmother, who is very much ancien regime, greatly prefers the queue to which she was accustomed, and my father, for instance. So when I return, as I shortly shall, into my rustic solitudes, I may have to let my hair grow again to please her. But I drew the line at showing myself in Paris in times of peace like that. Some men with his reputation would cling to the singularity, thought Laurent. I was sure he hated display. Your men are disbanded now, I suppose? he inquired. Yes, the Aperviers exist no longer. Did I tell you that they call themselves the Hawks? I suppose because of the name of Fowler that came to me with the Chartier. But I'm a peaceful country gentleman now, and keep pigeons, not hawks. But you have your swan, or swans, perhaps, observed Laurent, thinking of his crest. Loiselot looked surprised for a moment, and then he smiled. Ah, I see. Yes, we bear seven on the coat. And that is where the name of Cécigne comes from, Cécigne. There are wild ones in the river sometimes. But I hope you will see them for yourself. Why, when he spoke of his home, did his face seem ever so little to cloud? It struck Laurent that his good spirits, though evidently unassumed, did not go very deep. Perhaps he had terrible memories from childhood. He stole a glance at his profile, strangely sensitive for all its vigor and resolution. But, puzzling or no, he was more attractive than ever. A pest! Here was that Madame de Morson back again, on the arm of her cavalier, and her voice saying, Oh, my dear Emma, I want to hear everything Her Royal Highness said to you. And, though they both begged him to remain, Laurent excused himself. He should see Monsieur de la Rochetterie later, at the Hôtel de Cotemar. About a quarter of an hour later, 
he drifted past the room again on his way out. It was empty now, so his glance, reminiscently, went clear to the other end. But it was not quite empty, and for the couple were there still, standing under the lamp. And, thought Monsieur de Cotemac, with all the worldly experience of four-and-twenty, as Madame de Morson's languorous expression and half-mocking smile smote themselves into his perceptions, if ever a woman was set on a man, she is on him. But he hesitated to add that the reverse was true, for Loiselag was undisguisedly frowning at her, with that peculiarly straight gaze he had when he was angry, as witnessed by Laurent in his own dining-room across the channel. Unless, of course, it was a lover's quarrel. They made, indeed, a most striking pair. But somehow he did not want. Oh, how ridiculous for him to assume a critical attitude to the Vicomte de la Rochetterie's affaire de Coeur, if he had any. 2. Loiselag did pay his call at the Hôtel de Cortomar, but, enormously to Laurent's disappointment, it was when he himself happened to be out. Madame de Cortemar reported that he had said he was on his way back to Brittany in a day or two, so Laurent concluded that the last picture he would have of him would be of his standing with a lady in green and silver under the filigree lamp, looking so deeply annoyed. But two days later, as he chanced to walk down the Tuileries Gardens, he caught sight, amid a tolerable crowd, of two people in front of him who gave him a start. He saw only their backs, but one undoubtedly was Loiselot. Yet he had on his arm a lady who was obviously not Madame de Morsan. For one thing, she was not so tall. She only came up to her escort's shoulder. For another, from below her bonnet escaped a tendril of bright bronze. And for a third, Aimard de la Rochetterie's own head was bent down towards her, in a way it had shown no sign of doing to Madame de Morsan. They were obviously talking very intimately, so intimately that the self-denying Laurent slackened his faster pace lest he should overtake them, and they were soon lost in the crowd. Was that the real cousin, the heroine of the exploit at Chalet, and the member of his family who shared his northern blood, and the lady whose unhappy marriage to a Rui might very well have been the cause of his visit to England, the lady who had, and perhaps, the charge of his heart. This question Laurent asked of the unresponsive façade of the Tuileries as he strong-mindedly returned towards it. For the answer to it, he would have to wait until the spring, and the spring would be a deuced long time in coming. 3. But it was not. In the winter, gay despite almost universal discontent, passed very swiftly in Paris. Laurent went out a great deal, and already the aunts said that it was time he should think of marrying, and particularly as his English grandfather, who died in the autumn, had left him nearly all his money. His mother laughed and replied, "'Wait till he sees a lady he likes,' and to which Tante Clotilde responded, "'Oh, Virginia, that is not the way things are done in France. It is your, our, duty to find a suitable match.' and Madame de Cotemac promised that she would try. 
yet had she really made any matrimonial plans for her son they could hardly have been followed up that spring the bombshell of napoleon's landing at cannes on march first would have cast them into as much confusion as it did the whole organization of the newly established regime but laurent's mind at least was not troubled by divided counsels he was off to join the royalists of the west nothing could stop him from seizing this unexpected chance of proving his loyalty and madame tante at all events were not likely to do anything in that direction they gave him benedictions and scapulars his mother tried not to show her heart the leader of all others whom he longed to join was of course loiseleur in brittany he imagined that he would spring at once to arms but not having heard anything of him since the autumn and not knowing whether he himself would prove a welcome recruit he abandoned the idea moreover and directly it became known that the duc de bourbon was being sent to the loire it seemed plain to laurent and all his like-minded friends that vendee and not brittany would prove the centre of resistance and so having had the good fortune to procure a personal introduction to the vendean general comte charles d'autichon who held the military command at angers he and a few others set off thither full of enthusiasm to lay their swords through him at the feet of the duc d'angiens father end of section three